Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Leticia Niego, the 2022 President-Elect for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, a past president of the chapter, as well as a member of our pod squad. We also have Halida Hudges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For today's episode, we are interviewing psychologist, speaker, author, professor, and friendship expert, Dr. Marisa G. Franco. Welcome, Marisa. Thank you so much for having me. You did a great job listing off all of the different jobs that I do. (laughs) I'm so glad. Very nice. I love people who multitask and have all kinds of titles. Now, before we jump into our topic of the value of developing friendships in the workplace, could you share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm currently a professor at the University of Maryland. I'm also writing a book on how to make and keep friends called Platonic, the surprising new science of how to make and keep friends as an adult. So that'll come out in fall 2022. And I do a lot of speaking for organizations on how to achieve belonging and inclusion in the workplace. Amazing. Let's tap into your expertise. Uh, Dr. Marisa G. Franco, you are recognized as an expert in human connection and are known for translating complex topics for non-expert audiences. Can you share with us what are some of those topics and why are they important as it relates to your field of psychology? So my topics are about basically the science of connection, how we connect, why we should connect, how to maintain our relationships over time. Um, And then specifically in the workplace, I think sometimes we don't emphasize connection enough. In fact, I think some workplaces have norms around professionalism that actively prohibit it. But that is something that I call the employee myth, which is the idea that when we come to work, we're simply employees. We don't have the fundamental human needs that we have in our daily lives. And that's untrue. We need to belong outside of work, just like we need to belong in work. And we know this from research that finds that employees that belong more feel more engaged, more creative. They're more likely to be retained. They perform better. They cooperate better on teams. All of those outcomes that we're looking for, workplace belonging will really benefit. Interesting. So how do we make friends as adults? I mean, when you think about that, we have very busy lives and there are people who, all of us actually go through different phases as we continue to grow and evolve as individuals. And we sometimes outgrow our surroundings and the need for different kinds of connections comes up. Are there some helpful tips that you can recommend? Absolutely. I think that the problem that we have around creating relationships as an adult within or outside of the workplace is that we just wait for them to happen organically. That is such a myth. In fact, research finds that 
people that see friendship as not taking effort are more lonely over time, whereas people that see it as taking effort are less lonely because they take that effort. And so it looks like just sort of reaching out to someone and saying, you know, hey, I really enjoyed getting to know you so far. I was wondering if you'd, you know, be willing to go out for coffee or for a walk or whatever you're comfortable with really in these times. But, you know, people <laughs> are so afraid of rejection. From studying connection, that's one of the biggest things I've learned. We are so afraid of rejection. It prohibits us from finding so much success and from really going for what we really want. And so I like to tell people about a study on a phenomenon called the liking gap which basically these researchers had strangers interact and afterwards asked them how much you like they liked one another. And they found mm -hmm. that in fact, people underestimated how liked they were. We have this bias to underestimate how much people like us. So my biggest tip for people to get into the right mindset to initiate new friendships is to assume people like you, to, for that to be your running internal dialogue, that people like me, People want to get to know me, and that will give you the courage to, to start initiating with new people. And just to reference one more research phenomenon that's related to this topic, researchers found that when they tell people that when they go in to meet new people, they should likely, they're likely to be accepted, um, even though that wasn't true. The researchers kind of lied to the participants. And what they found was just by telling people, just by people expecting that they'd be accepted, they actually were more likely to be accepted. It's a phenomenon called the acceptance prophecy. When we assume we'll be accepted, we're more open, we're more engaged, we're more focused on other people, we're more present. Whereas when we think we'll be rejected, we're more withholding, we're more closed off because we don't want to put ourselves out there and get rejected. So we just don't. Um, and so I think all of these are really important skills for initiating with other people, just assuming people like you, assuming that you'll be accepted, and then it'll likely be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Being a member of DCAT or Metro DCATD, as well as a volunteer, it has really helped in the, the friendship realm. I feel like as we get to know our fellow TD professionals and making that effort and, and volunteering with us and the pod squad, uh, really <laughs> developed some great friendships out of that. And, and we're very welcoming group. So I love that you said that, Marissa. Thank you. I will give you, yeah, a further plug. Um, one of the, the phenomenons of connection that I'd like to share with people is if you want to connect with people, join something that's continuous over time, like that has continual meetings, maybe every month, every week, like Metro ATD. So yes, <laughs> join them. Because if you go to a one-off event, like a, you know, a single workshop or a single happy hour that doesn't continue over time, you can't take advantage of a phenomenon called the mere exposure effect. And that basically describes our unconscious tendency to simply like people as they become more familiar to us, right? Ah. So if you stick something out over time, it's likely that you're going to like the people that are there and they're also going to like you more and that this will happen um, completely unconsciously. So finding a regular group like Metro ATD is a really good idea if you want to create connections. That's so helpful. And I'm glad we are part of something like this already. Now, Obviously, relationships are important and they play a significant role in our well-being and our abilities to feel confident and feel that we're part of something greater than ourselves. And especially in the cases where we have to take on a variety of risks in our quest to better our circumstances and things like that. What are some best practices for ensuring that our relationships are positive and enriching rather than destructive or unhealthy in some ways so that they indeed can add value when we talk about our workplaces environments? Yeah, so the biggest one is simply perspective taking. 
Um, a lot of unhealthy relationships, people are thinking about getting their needs met, but they're not thinking about other people getting their needs met as well, right? And so you want to engage in, in mutuality, which means balancing your needs with the needs of other people, whether inside or outside of work. So that means, you know, with your colleagues, are you kind of canceling on them when a big project is due? Um, or are you considering, oh, there's this, you know, project done, so I'm going to make sure I can work hard so that nobody else is going to have that on their plate, right? But in another moment, you might say, you know, I need to take a step back. I'm really tired. I'm really burnt out and take some time for myself. Um, it's really considering both people's needs at the same time. And that's really how you engage in healthy relationships. Another part of healthy relationships, right? I think in friendships, sometimes we're so afraid of conflict, but in fact, it's way healthier to be able to address conflict in a empathic way than it is to not engage in conflict at all, right? And so research actually links open conflict to increases in intimacy in our relationships and in our friendships. And so what does that look like? It just, it looks like being able to frame a conflict conversation like, I really value our relationship, so I don't want anything to get between us. So I wanted to make sure that I brought this up. It looks like using I statements like, I, you know, I felt hurt when you didn't show up for me at this time rather than, you know, you're a bad friend or you're a bad coworker because you left me out in the cold. And it looks like asking the other person what was going on for you at that time, like help me understand your experience, too. So you welcome that perspective taking. And so those are some of the key the key factors that I would recommend as we're trying to build healthy relationships is perspective taking. Think about your needs and think about the needs of other people and try to compromise in a way that fills both of your needs. And then the second thing is when conflict comes up, don't ghost, don't ignore it because then the relationship is just going to be, you know, die over time. Also don't attack and blame the other person. Approach the conflict in a way that is really empathic and open and welcoming and collaborative. Yeah, I hear a lot of compassion in those statements. Thanks for sharing this. It's really helpful. Now, Marisa, we have to consider the impact of healthy boundaries when we are referring to friendships at work. There are cases where things can easily get out of hand, especially considering things like job roles or position hierarchy, intergender friendships, or the different comfort level that people have in general. How can we maintain those kinds of friendships in the most effective of ways while navigating work and play in a manner that keeps us employed and in some <laughs> cases help our colleagues understand the differences between being friends and being friendly for the sake of our careers, for the kinds of professionals who have different preferences? Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is, you should never try to force someone to be your friend <laughs> if, if, within the workplace or outside of the workplace. I have people asking me questions like, how do I get this person to want to be my friend? If someone doesn't want to be your friend, walk away. Don't work harder. <laughs> that is a pro tip. Um, find people that want to engage in the relationship too. And, and that requires you staying optimistic, right? Because if one person doesn't want to be your friend at work, it's easy to say, oh, this workplace is isolating. There's nobody that's going to want to be my friend. But that's not true. We need to withhold the you hold on to the nuance that how one person feels doesn't necessarily indicate how everybody feels, right? So that's really important, making sure that both people are consenting to the relationship and are willing to be part of the relationship. It feels like you're trying to pull someone in, there's no reciprocity, then you might want to move on and find someone else. Otherwise, I generally think that in workplaces, we're often so afraid of boundaries 
that we end up having these workplaces that are really unhuman, where we're only talking about the work. We're never talking about who we are as people, right? And that's why research actually finds that even though the more time we spend together, the closer we tend to feel that this isn't true at work. In fact, the more time we spend with our colleagues, the less close we tend to feel with them. And I think that's because we're only revealing one side of ourselves continuously over time. And so I would just say that there's actually a lot of things that you can talk about that are related to who you are as a person rather than a, a, a worker that aren't inappropriate, right? Like, what were your weekend plans? What are your hobbies and interests? What are your passions? Even like, what are your struggles? You know, it's a pandemic. <laughs> we're all struggling <laughs> a little bit. And so it's not that you have to share like your deepest, darkest secrets that you share with a therapist, but it's it's that you can feel free to, to not button up so much, right? Because when we when we feel like we need to suppress ourselves, right, that takes bandwidth away from our brain and all the all the sort of um, brain resources that we could be using to do the work. And so the less we feel like we have to spend energy on concealing, the more energy that we're going to have to succeed in the workplace, I truly think. And so I'm actually in favor of policies that welcome people to bring their full selves to work, just knowing the research on how suppressing your sense of self really harms people and it harms their ability to engage in the work as well. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if it impacts productivity as well. When people work in environments where they don't feel accepted, it may have an impact on how they perform and who they choose to connect with and team dynamics and things like that. Exactly. Because connection is a part of passion, right? Like our passion is about what we're doing, but it's also about who we're doing it with. And when there's a model called the collective effort model, and it basically argues that we put more effort when we care about the people that we're working with, right? Like, you know, if someone that you're you care for and you respect in the workplace wants you to do something, you're going to be way more motivated to do a good job if it's someone rather than if it's someone that you resent and you don't feel like respects you. Well, I learned a lot today. Uh, Lots of great concepts. Now, Marisa, I want to circle back to something you mentioned earlier at the beginning, which is that you are in the process of writing a book. And I think you said the title was Platonic, How to Make and Keep Friends as an Adult. Can you share a little bit of a brief overview about what that might entail for people who might be interested? And I think you said the book will be available later this year. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about Platonic. We've updated the title since then to the surprising new science of how to make and keep friends as an adult. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I think it'll hopefully help a lot of people. It's going to be coming out in September 2022. Um, The thesis of the book is basically the idea that how we've connected in the past has fundamentally affected who we are, our personalities, how we show up in the world. Our connections in the past really shape our personalities. But then those personalities continue to show up in how we connect with people in the future, right? How we connect is not random. It's based off of whether we develop a set of traits or characteristics that facilitate connection. And often when we have baggage or trauma around connection in the past, we're not able to access those qualities. Whereas if we have positive relationships, it's easier for us to access those qualities for continued connection, like vulnerability and authenticity and taking initiative and showing affection towards other people. So those are some of the qualities that I really talk about in the book. It's very much science-based, gives you all the science of connection, but also shares a lot of storytelling to make sure that it's clear how this applies to our lives. Marissa, this has been fascinating to listen to. I cannot wait to read the book. I think there is so much value in exploring some of these concepts 
as a professional, especially thinking about how this relates to who you are, who you bring as a person to work, how you're connecting with others. I mean, just some phenomenal ideas. And especially as we're looking ahead at what work is going to look like for us. Are we remote? Are we hybrid? Are we back in the office? I mean, I feel like there's there's so many dynamics that really come into this. And I am also really glad, in a way, I think the hard part of our conversation with you today is over. We're into the fun part now. We're into (laughs) rapid fire style questions. So what we love to do at the end of each one of our episodes is to ask our guest five rapid fire style questions. Each one of them requires about 60 seconds or so to respond. So what do you say? Ready to make that transition with me? Let's go for it, Stephanie. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Your first question is give us one book that all TD professionals must read and why. I'm going to say All About Love by Bell Hooks because that really taught me that Love is helping someone express their inner truth and essence, whether that's romantic or platonic, and that the way to connect with people is to really welcome who they are more deeply. That's a great selection. Fantastic. All right. Next one. Give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. Mm, I definitely use the assume people like you tip. I mean, that's my internal dialogue that I always try to tell myself when I'm interacting with new people. Just an example of how I've applied this, like my neighbors were hanging out in the hallway and I've always wanted to be friends with my neighbors, but I was really scared, but I ended up like telling myself that they would like me and then introducing myself. And then we hung out every Friday outdoors in the pandemic. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. And I have to say that is probably one of my favorite tips of all time. It is so easy to get in your head about the fact people may not like you, but if you assume the positive, you just might end up making friends to hang out with during the pandemic. I love that. That's wonderful. Thank you, Stephanie. What is the best piece of talent development related advice that you've ever been given? I would say that you have to find a workplace that reflects who you are and the type of person that you want to be. And that is what success in the workplace looks like rather than trying to cram yourself to fit into a workplace that's going to make you feel like you have more prestige or other people are going to value to really find a place thinking about work as an expression of who you are and your identity and your sense of self. Oh, I love that work as an expression of who you are. That is beautifully said. Oh, I love that one. That's great. All right. So what is one thing that you're excited about that's coming up in 2022? (laughs) This one's a little (laughs) bit too easy. I mean, my book, (laughs) certainly platonic, September 2022. Really, really excited to hit the bookshelves. I'm excited about that one, too. All right. And your last rapid fire question today is, what is the one thing within our talent development industry that you are deeply grateful for right now? I'm grateful that there's just a focus more on the whole person that I think has been more recent, where it's not just about, you know, everybody sort of chugging out work, but like, how's our mental health? How's our wellness? How's our connection? How's our stress level? Um, And it just feels so much more humane, I will say. Absolutely. Now, Dr. Marisa G. Franco, we are so happy that you joined us today to share your insights with our listeners. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, If anyone else wants to get more information about my work, I'm on Instagram or Twitter at Dr. Marissa G. Franco. That's D-R-M-A-R-I-S-A-G-F-R-A-N-C-O or at my website, www.drmarissagfranco.com. You can contact me for any speaking opportunities or take my quiz that assesses your friendship strengths and weaknesses. I really appreciate you having me. 
So noted. Thank you so much. And also thank you to my co-hosts. Yeah, this has been enlightening. Yeah, we, we're so grateful that you were here. I think all of us have walked away with some new thoughts, some new ideas, and hopefully a new energy to start applying some of these in the workplace. So thank you. Absolutely. It has been a pleasure. Likewise. And many thanks to our community for listening. Before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Membership in the Metro DCATD provides you with multiple benefits to enhance your career. Not a member yet? What are you waiting for? Go to dcatd.org forward slash membership application to join our chapter today. Follow the Metro DC chapter of ATD on LinkedIn today.